Would you pray with me? Loving God, we pray that you open our hearts, open our minds, and change our lives by your word for us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So two weeks ago, I gave a sermon about a sermon that Jesus gave in which he so angered the congregation that they tried to throw him off of a cliff. And knowing that my own sermon that day might ruffle a few feathers, I decided to call it, I find this sermon offensive, a little double entendre that I thought was quite clever of me. (laughs) Then last Sunday, Clover powerfully unpacked the first half of another sermon of Jesus's, challenging our ideas of what it means to be blessed. And today, I'd like to look at the second half of that sermon, a message which Jesus' followers probably didn't find so much uh, offensive as they would have found it just unreasonable or, or even ridiculous, which also happens to be a common reaction to many of my own sermons. And so I've entitled this sermon with another double entendre, that is a quadruple entendre for you Olympic judges, calling this one, I find this sermon absurd. Absurd from the root words off and deaf, suggests something that is out of tune or off-key, which is surely how the congregation experienced Jesus when he began preaching about loving your enemies, about doing good to those who hate you, about asking nothing in return when someone takes something from you. They knew firsthand the brutality of the Roman Empire. We can only imagine how Jesus' words must have come across that day. So how is it that a sermon that is so clearly off-key made it into the Bible at all, and that even today remains central to what we understand Jesus' message to be. The Sermon on the Plain, or Matthew's more common version of it, the Sermon on the Mount, hardly makes any sense to us, and we rarely heed its advice. But we love it. Why is that? I believe that the explanation is that this sermon... And so much of what Jesus teaches speaks to a place deep within us, but it's a place that we often don't feel very in touch with very often. And while a message of his makes no sense to our usual ears from this place, that off-key melody rings sweet and true. Most of us, most of the time, though, live on the surface, unable to access that interior land that we call the soul. It's as if we spend our lives on the surface of a sea where the waters are choppy and turbulent. Our minds are like waves, full of thoughts and worries and an ongoing internal dialogue 
But beneath that blustery sea, there is a calm. There is a depth, a part of us, in each of us, that is not so wrapped up in, not so identified with the daily drama of life. And when we hear Jesus from that place, we begin to understand his absurd message of absurd love. Because in the, a myst, in the mystical truth of faith, it's in that place within us that Jesus lives. It is in that place within us that the kingdom of God is waiting. The mistake we make when we live only on the surface of our own sea is that we believe ourselves to be alone, independent, on our own. That's how it feels. And this small self, as it is sometimes called, understandably experiences the world as dangerous and full of worrying things. But beneath the waves, we can discover the truth that we are intrinsically and irrevocably connected with everything around us and with that source of love at the heart of life that we call God. And from this larger self, we can understand things in our heart that our minds tell us can't be true. So how then do we make the journey from the surface to the deep? From believing we are alone to knowing that we are not? From a life filled with anxiety to a life filled with love? In a sense, it is the easiest thing in the world because it requires no degree or special experience. There is nothing to master, manage, or control, which is also the hardest thing because when we are lost on the turbulent surface of ourselves, all we know to do is to try to master, manage, and control. Our small selves, being alone after all, take far too seriously all of the thoughts and the worries and the internal dialogue that we have because it believes that if we don't manage life and don't make things happen, then surely we will die. So friends, it can take incredible courage to do the one thing that allows us to slip beneath the waves and to experience the joy and the love that are our birthright. Because that one thing is to let go and to surrender and to trust that we are being sustained by something far greater than our own efforts. Thanks be to God. Let me give you a very different water image that I think is also true. I was in a swimming pool recently, and I thought, you know, it's as if we spend our lives just swimming laps back and forth, or at least treading water, 
Because we think that if we stop, we will surely drown. And what we don't realize, what we don't believe, is that at any time we want, we can simply lay back and we will float. Not in the sense that we stop doing anything or everything. The problem isn't what we do, it's how we do it. And to float means to take a lot less seriously all of those thoughts and worries and inner dialogue and to take much more seriously the possibility that we are being held by God. Jesus says it this way. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of them. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and thrown tomorrow in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. Jesus invites us to let go. To relax into a larger consciousness that can hold our smaller consciousness. And freed from so much unnecessary worry and fear, we can simply then be present to and be grateful for the unfolding of our lives as they come. Now, I know that your mind is arguing with what I'm saying. I know it because my mind argues with it too. My everyday usual mind knows that what I'm saying is not true. In fact, it's absurd. My everyday usual mind knows that this world is dangerous and it is hard and there are all kinds of things we need to worry about. But there is another place in me and there is another place in you where things that on the surface seem absurd start to make sense. A place where we know that this world is held by a capital L love that is so much greater than anything that we might fear or worry. And even when things happen that are deeply sad and that our hearts break for all the suffering that we see, even this is held by God and therefore can't not be okay in the end. It can't not be okay in the end. Is that not the message of the cross and resurrection? And from that profound place, we can't help but love the world, to love our neighbors, to love complete strangers, and yes, even to love our enemies. Let me end with a sweet story that reminds me of the truth of all of this that I come back to. A few months ago, it was uh, unusually warm 
sunny day, and I was sitting on my front porch, just soaking it in. And down the street, I saw coming a man who lives in our neighborhood. He's, he's about my age. And he walks his little dog sometimes twice a day while riding on a skateboard. The man, not, not the dog. <laughs> he's very friendly, but truth be told, I usually try to avoid him. The thing is, he talks a lot. And when I'm out in my yard... I'm usually very much in my small self, very busy doing very important things. But this day, I had dropped beneath the waves into that still, spacious place. And as he approached, I felt nothing but joy at seeing him. Can you feel the difference between those two ways of being? One where we're trying to manage everything versus trusting life as it unfolds. As he approached, I wondered with a smile if he would stop to chat. He was on the other side of the street, but he did not let that stop him. (laughs) Pointing to his little dog lagging behind him, he said, Sometimes when we walk, he he hurries along like he's got somewhere he's got to get to. Other times he just... Spends the whole time stopping and smelling the roses. It's a shift in... uh, And he paused a long time trying to think of the word that he wanted. It's a shift in um, mindset. Mindset. And he went on his way. Indeed it is, I thought. Indeed it is. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For the fact is, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 21. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear.